Welcome to Food Freedom Radio. I'm Laura Hedlund, a student of permaculture, a person who knows cheap food is not cheap, unless it's the holidays and you kind of are splurging a little bit, but, and someone who's looking forward to um, a healthy, um, uh, and someone who knows that a healthy you equals a healthy planet. Um, and later in the show, we're going to be talking with Teresa Wolf, and that's one of her models that she has prominent on her website, a healthy you equals a healthy planet. But first, we're talking with Erin Murphy with Conscious Aging Solutions. Welcome to Food Freedom Radio, Erin. Erin. Hi, Laura. Thanks so much. Thank you. So uh, let's just start. Tell us a little bit about your background. Sure. So I started working at a retirement community when I was 15 years old. There were 135 residents with that are 55 and older in this independent living community community residency. And I really fell deeply in love with older people and their wisdom and the fact that older people didn't care about what other people thought and they would say whatever was on their mind, uh, very often authentic to me. And I felt like that maybe had something to do with happiness and that if younger people could be more authentic earlier on in life, then they may be happier. And I just loved being with older people. And through working, starting out working there as a 15-year-old, seeing kind of the systems of aging, seeing what happens during emergencies, healthcare emergencies, and then going on to work in all levels of long-term care. I worked in a uh, affordable housing for seniors, hospice care. Uh, During my master's program in gerontology, I got a master's in gerontology from USC and really got a full picture of what natural aging and what real aging is supposed to be like from a physiological standpoint and a psychological standpoint and from a social and cultural standpoint and also got to see how people age in other places in the world and actually went to Italy with USC studying death and dying and also seeing how people were aging more successfully. And I was working in affordable housing for seniors and saw clients who were on 15 to 32 prescription drugs, where in other communities around the world where people are aging to 110, 120 on zero prescription drugs and dying of something called old age, that very much confused me. Why Why was it in the United States that we were aging so poorly? And to me, it was really a violation of human rights. And it was kind of through that pathway and understanding that I eventually started seeing that food had this giant ripple effect that a lot of the people I was working with had access only to like food bank food and very highly processed foods. And I quit my nine to five because I felt like we could be doing better, that we could be referring people to better resources. And that's when I started Conscious Aging Solutions to work one-on-one with adult children of older adults or older adults themselves. And I had clients coming off of all their prescription drugs and getting better and changing their lifestyle, eating healthier, exercising, focusing on mental health and connection and deep self-healing, healing trauma that has been untouched and seeing people really revolutionize their lives. And uh, we'll talk more about what I'm doing now with uh, prescribing food as medicine with clinics and using local regenerative farmers. But that was kind of the beginning of why I'm so passionate about food freedom, because it it totally is just in that name. It is absolute freedom 
Uh, I believe we are slaves to the prescription drug companies and we don't have to be. And it's about knowledge and, and helping people get connected to that knowledge. That was so wonderful, Erin. I loved I loved um, everything you said and, and the way you said it. And so, um, and I know uh, you have a video on three tips on healthy aging, and those three things are nutrition, exercise, social connections. And we're going to take we're going to talk more about those deeply. But um, also, I want to um, let's jump to uh, food as medicine and what you're doing with Fresh RX. I know there are people doing this also in the Twin Cities, people doing this around the country and around the world. But um, share with us your right. um, insights on that. Sure. So during the pandemic, a lot of cracks in our society were really shown even more. And the need for access to food and food quality really came about. And I had moved back home to Tulsa, Oklahoma, a place that really needed support holistically and preventatively. And in North Tulsa, there is a food desert. They didn't have a grocery store for 14 years. We have the highest rates of mortality from diabetes in this North Tulsa area. And there was this great need. And so there were a lot of different food organizations coming together to help with this need. And really from a food access, food equity, racial equity standpoint. And there was a doctor in North Tulsa who came to the Tulsa Food Security Council and said, hey, my clients are compliant with their doctor's visits, with their medications, but their diabetes is still out of control. And these people, because their diabetes was so bad and out of control, they're at these extreme risks for kidney disease, stroke, heart attack, death, and amputation. And so we put together a produce prescription program based off of the Geisinger Food Pharmacy Study. There are about 200 produce prescription programs happening or have happened in the United States, little kind of small pilot programs, sometimes just sourcing from the food bank and getting people to simply increase their consumption of fruits and vegetables. But because I had been exposed to soil science and regenerative farming and understanding the ability to create more nutrient-dense food than maybe our grandparents even had and the effect of that on health outcomes, I was asked to administrate this program and fundraise. But I said, hey, if, if I'm going to be doing this, I'm only going to source local and regenerative food. And so in 2021, we started with 52 patients in North Tulsa. We had two clinics, two primary care physicians who they look at their EHR and they scan and see who has diabetes in their clinic. And they actually make a prescription to this program. The participants of the program get free food for 12 months along with cooking and nutrition classes they get two a month so they have 24 classes on top of free food every two weeks for 12 months and then they check in with their doctors and get their a1c their blood pressure and their weight tested so we're actually extracting health data to see how people are doing and after our first year cohort we had incredible results. I mean, we were getting incredible results within weeks, within months, within six months. Our biggest reduction was from a 14 to a 6.9 in an A1C level, which for a lot of people don't know, even a 1% to 2%, even from a 14 to a 12, that's a huge, huge difference. That can be a difference between life and death for someone. Our cohort lost collectively 296 pounds, and we estimated healthcare cost savings out of our first cohort, up to about $750,000 just with these 
first 50 people and $150,000. So the ROI was huge. We saved the state of Oklahoma this money by preventing all of these catastrophic health events that can happen. And because we did so well, uh, we have doubled our program enrolling 100 people. We have now been funded by the USDA's Produce Prescription Grant through their nutrition uh, department and just trying to expand this program and continually to also stimulate the local farmers. So we have a farmer cohort of about 20 farmer local farmers and they harvest on a Monday or Tuesday. And by Wednesday we're distributing their food. It's seasonal. It's the participants say they've never tasted it's this kind of vegetables in their life because it's so nutrient packed and your tongue is an incredible computer. And so they, they see how incredible it is. A lot of these people hadn't had asparagus outside of a can before and really creating amazing food and really connecting local farmers with patients. And so the farmers become the pharmacists and it's a beautiful thing. And so around that, and we ta- you mentioned these three tips on healthy aging, we have the nutrition, we do encourage and help with some exercise components, but there's this social connection that is also happening around this and social socialization and also creating community, knowing that this this food was grown right in their community with people similar to them, also whom have been struggling to make it and work hard to grow this food. And so it's just been a beautiful, beautiful program. And so ha- that's how we're a little bit different than other produce prescription programs, because we do only source local regenerative food. We vet the soil health practices. We provide a lot of advocacy for these farmers to grow year-round, to have hoop houses, to get funded through the NRCS to do that. And we've just created something really beautiful. And it's really been one of the most meaningful things of my life that I've been able to experience and have the honor of really hosting and, and administrating and so that's that's a little bit what we're doing with Fresh RX Food is Medicine in Tulsa. That is so awesome. You know, I think it's fair to say that right now it's established science that soil health and human health are interconnected. Um, we need healthy yes. soil to have healthy people and a healthy community. Um, and yet the common yes, dominant farm practices um, – you know, there's some shift going on. In fact, one of the uh, one of the uh, um, blogs you wrote is um, uh, why farmers are longevity heroes and cover crops mm-hmm. and no-till farmers farmers are saving our brains. So how how is that? How are yes. no-till no-till regenerative farmers saving our brains? Yes, that's a very very interesting thing to people kind of wrap their head around. And what I'm trying to do in my communications to the world is show that soil, like you said, is directly connected with human health. And so how are regenerative farmers helping with human health there? I mean, it's a giant ripple effect. They're helping with climate. They're helping with plant health, animal health, and human health. And because regenerative farmers are using no-till practices, they're using cover crops, which... The reason that that helps is because they're have they're being able to use less fertilizer so and input because of we're going to need to take a break and we're going to come back and we're going to talk more about this about how uh, regenerative farmers are helping our brains and our hearts. You're listening to Food Freedom Radio on AM 950, the Progressive Voice of Minnesota.
Welcome back to Food Freedom Radio. I'm Laura Hedlund, and joining me now is Aaron Murphy uh, with Conscious Aging Solutions. And when we were on a break, um, you were talking. We were talking about how um, regenerative farmers are can can save um, our brains because we we have a, a incredible epidemic right now of dementia, Alzheimer's, cancer, and so many issues. And I know um, you're you might want to remind uh, listeners again that this is your background in gerontology. And but how 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 are cover crops linked to um, uh, brain health? So because cover cropping is putting nutrients back in the soil, it's a source for inputs where it would normally be put in as a chemical and dangerous chemicals that are linked to dementia and Alzheimer's and cancer. And we could go on and on with that. So because they're using cover crops and no-till practices, they're able to reduce their fertilizer inputs. And so because of that, they're very much saving the soil, which is saving us. And a lot of these, like glyphosate and different chemicals, they're being able to use less of these things. So as we can reduce these things and hopefully eventually eliminate these things, it is absolutely saving our brains. It's preventing these incredible rates of dementia and Alzheimer's that are only increasing uh, unfortunately, it's a small amount of farmers still starting this, but it, I believe it's gaining traction. I'm really hopeful. So I really try to connect soil health with human health and trying to, under, trying to help people understand how the farming practices directly impact this. So drawing together no-till farming, cover cropping, the fact that they are able, because of those practices, to limit or reduce or eliminate their fertilizer usage directly affects our health and our food quality. Right, and um, and, and then uh, the fresh, the prescribing uh, food as medicine. And um, one of the statistics you had is that um, the the goal of the program is uh, to reduce the A one Cs by one to two percent within a year, and that would equate to sixteen thousand to twenty four thousand dollars in healthcare savings per year per participant. So connecting healthcare and food. Da da. Yes. <laughs> yes. Absolutely. Yeah, and that. You know, one to two percent, it doesn't sound like a lot, but it's huge. Like I said, it's the difference between life and death for somebody. And the fact that we've had we actually had our average reduction in the people that had reductions in the program was two point two percent. We we superseded that. And then we had people, like I said, with reductions from 14 to a six point nine, being able to come off of prescription drugs or change and limit what kind of drugs they're doing. It's the same thing, just like with the farmers, they're able to kind of get off of this chemical train and really go back to holistic practices. And they're, they're saving money, which means they're making more money. And so it's also profitable. And that's what healthcare and agriculture needs to understand. And the fact that people need to realize agricultural agriculture is healthcare, it's public health. And if it's not a part of the conversation for health, uh, then we have a problem. And well-being can be the grounding of all of our actions, whether it's education or whether it's the food system or business. I mean, it can all be grounded on well-being, and then we have a world that's more sane and kind. Um, and so, right. <laughs> I, want, I mean, duh. <laughs> but I want to get into these uh, these three things, is the nutrition. I want to understand what kind of food were people um, – what kind of food they they got free food on this program and um, but what kind of food did you, what kind of food did you offer and what type of classes? Sure. So we 
we base this off of the other kind of food prescription studies that have proven the success. And the intention is to increase their consumptions of fruits and vegetables. So we're sourcing fruits and vegetables. Sometimes we do legumes, some nuts. We've done rice and beans and things of that nature. But predominantly, these are things that can be grown from the ground that are fruits and vegetables. And it changes seasonally. For example, right now, we have a lot of winter squash. We have sweet potatoes. We have uh, some people are growing year-round tomatoes. We have had uh, okra and collard greens. And we also try to grow culturally appropriate foods. And the type of classes they're getting are nutrition classes that really showing kind of portion control, but also what you should be eating, which is really a whole food diet and more vegetables. Vegetables should really take up about half of your plate. Uh, you can absolutely have protein of whatever type of protein that you prefer. Um, and everything else should be, it should really just be increasing your vegetable intake. And vegetables have minerals and vitamins in them if they're grown well. And when your body has what it needs, it is a self-building, self-healing house, as I like to put it. And that is so important. So we give people very easy cooking demos that they can do kind of a fourth grade reading level, very simple, maybe four to six steps on a on a cooking recipe. And then we do nutrition classes at the same time. We also provide some emotional support, mental health type of things uh, that is really underneath a lot of uh, poor diet choices is, is also not having access, not knowing, but also being in kind of a survival mentality. And so really supporting people, really empowering them to say, here's where you can get it. Here's the choices that you can make to feel healthier, to be happier. And so we really support people and, and make sure that they know they can do it with all the resources, but really knowing that they're worth it and that, and they're worthy of being able to have a healthy, happy life. Yeah, yeah, and um, yeah, worthy. We're all worthy of, of having a healthy, ha happy life. And um, Sue, so I'm thinking there might be a lot of um, seniors at home that you know you're cooking for one. Do you have some general tips on how to uh, improve um, how to eat when, especially if you're by yourself, and uh, you know, uh, tips um, on how to cook for yourself? Sure. So really. If you're cooking vegetables, and that's what we really need to increase, because obviously that's what people are lacking and why we're having such issues. And also, if you can get food from um, a healthier source, if it's your local farmer's market, or you can actually subscribe directly to your local farm, where they, oftentimes they deliver a weekly bag, it's called a CSA, really knowing where your food's coming from, if, if you're able to financially, is really a wonderful thing. And then when you're cooking vegetables, you really want to have a crunch left. You want to steam or bake them, but really not to the point that they're fully cooked and, and soggy or anything like that. Because the more that you cook the food, the more that the nutrients are depleted. So steaming or, or baking food is great and making sure you still have a crunch in that food. And, and so more whole foods, less processed stuff is going to be really important to do. And of course, soups might be the exception to that, right? Because when you're um, cooking sure. down a soup, the nutrients stay. And I know one thing that um, yes. actually my mom did, so I, I did too, is you know cook in bulk, but then using the freezer. So if I'm going to cook for one, yes. I can still cook in bulk. And uh, one of my 
simple tricks is, uh, you know, I make the soup the way I want to make the soup. Um, and then sometimes I will use a broth. One of my cheats are use a simple V8 broth, <laughs> Add it, using sure. V8 as a broth. Um, but but putting that, um, that basic soup in the freezer so then you could pull out part of it and add the broth to it second so you can kind of get it extra from that meal. Did that make sense? Yeah, I'm I'm glad you brought that up because another thing people really don't remember is that even frozen vegetables is a really is it keeps the nutrients in there and so that would be a great thing to buy if you're trying to get things to stretch and freezing the soup is absolutely a medicinal extraction of the nutrients in that food you're putting in there so the broth and everything it stays in there and that's a really good way to do it having being able to freeze things to make them last or also making value added things so like if you have so we're going to take a break break we're going to come back with this Uh, you're listening to Erin Murphy on Conscious Aging Solutions and I'm Laura Headland with Food Freedom Radio Welcome back to Food Freedom Radio, and joining us is Erin Martin with Conscious Aging Solutions and Fresh RX. And Erin, um, if someone wanted to find you, where would they um, get your website? Sure. So if you want to look at uh, broadly, my work is ConsciousAgingSolutions.com, and then the Food is Medicine program, you can go to FreshRxOK.org. FreshRx Oklahoma and Conscious Aging Solutions are on both Facebook and Instagram. You can also search Aaron Martin. I'm expert on aging on Instagram. Please make sure to follow me and reach out if you have any thoughts or want to keep up with what I'm doing. That sounds great. And let's talk a little bit more about nutrient density. So um, what is that and why is it important? Yes. So that is the big question is kind of defining what nutrient density is. And there's a guy named Dan Kittredge of the Bionutrient Association who's been attempting to kind of define nutrient density. What he's been kind of establishing is that there's a continuum of nutrient density. So not every carrot is the same. Not every blueberry is the same. They vary vastly between how they're grown, where they're grown, and things of that nature. So when you get a piece of spinach, actually it can vary 365 to one, meaning you could eat 365 of the least nutritious spinach and actually eat one piece of spinach and get all the nutrients that would be in all that lower nutritional value spinach in one piece of spinach that's grown really well. And what they've found in these studies is that when it's grown regeneratively with good soil health practices, it can have a lot more nutrients in it. And so it is my belief that uh, through things we understand about health, like the brain will be satiated when it gets all the nutrients that it needs. And so it'll know to quit eating. But when we're eating all these, all this junk food and our bodies are not getting the nutrients it needs, we keep eating, which is causing obesity and diabetes. And so because we're sourcing local and regeneratively. And why I say local is because within 24 hours, spinach loses 95% of its nutrients. Within three days, 72 hours, 
most fruits and vegetables are losing 30 to 50% of their nutrients. So if you get it local and it's fresh, it's more than likely going to be more nutrient dense. And if it's grown with good soil health practices, it's going to have more nutrients in it, which means it's going to be more helpful to your body in resisting disease um, and healing from disease. And that's why um, having herbs in your garden and having um, access some uh, a food where, I mean, that, that's one of the, my long, and I, I've been doing this in my yard for, what, 25 years is I can just go out, I know which food I can grab, <laughs> and then I have all my greens that I can, you know, scramble with some eggs, and here's a nice healthy meal for, um, you know, 50 cents, 75 cents, and uh, it's, I don't even have to worry about inflation, <laughs> <laughs> but, right, right, but exactly. The other thing I want to make sure we get into is this idea of the social connection and how important that is. Absolutely. So there's just so much outside of what we consider medical uh, services that affect our lives. There are things like your ability to have relationships and have transportation and have a good job and mental health and all of these types of things. And it is really vital for people to have social connection. We're, we're not supposed to be alone. And that's even why groups of trees grow together, um, because we have to all be t- together in a community. That helps so much with mental health, uh, even with physical health. It ripples into everything. And so there are, like I had said in my three tips for healthy aging video on, on my Conscious Aging Solutions YouTube channel, even there are there's a community in Pennsylvania where they kind of smoked and drank, but they still had this tight, close community connection. And so they still had a lot of longevity. And in the blue zones in the world, they have the highest concentration of centenarians. And what they all have in common is they live intergenerationally. They're a hundred year old grandmother is living with their 70 year old daughter and their daughter and their son all in one house and they're very close and they have this emotional support that even when you have a healthy diet, you may exercise, but you're alone, you still are going to suffer in certain ways because we are meant to be together. We're a tribe. We're all, we're really all one and we're all different expressions of this beautiful, amazing thing we call human beings. And we really have a lot of responsibility to be stewards of the land and to be supportive of one another. And it really makes for healthier, happier humans. So um, tips on healthy aging. It's not that complicated. It's nutrition, exercise, and social connection. Um, Briefly, um, tips on exercising, especially for um, older people, say 80s and 90s. Any, um, uh, what ideas do you have on exercise? So, there's a lot of resources out there. If you're an 80 and 90 year old that's tech savvy going on YouTube and finding exercise videos that you can do at home and mo- uh, modified yoga that you can do in a chair, stretching is really good for you to do. Um, just even stuff you can do while you're sitting down and watching TV. Uh, you can really move your arms and um, get your blood flowing. And doing and really breathing deeply is also exercising those lungs and getting you some better energy. And really, if you can find um, a group where you can go and exercise, uh, that would be really wonderful. There's lots of great things with Tai Chi that are really not a lot of high impact. Uh, that would be a great thing to do if you can get a video that you can use at home to do Tai Chi or find a video on YouTube. These are all things that are, are really available and easy for people uh, with 
any type of disability or anything like that can really access. So I, I say modified yoga and Tai Chi would be a great place to start. So Erin Martin with Conscious Aging Solutions. Um, last minute of the show, what's your idea of food freedom? Man, food freedom is where everyone has access to healthily grown food. They have the knowledge and empowerment to feel healthier, to make better choices, to be more conscious of those choices. There's a lot of even people that look and they think they're eating healthier because the marketing is really confusing them. So really understanding on how to how to be able to make those choices, no matter if the marketing's telling you it's healthy or not. I mean, it is, it's human rights, it's empowerment, it's freedom. It, it, it's all of these things that's so incredibly important. And it's an incredible ripple effect uh, to your emotional and mental well-being. Well, I appreciate it, uh, Aaron Murphy, uh, Martin, and um, I also loved learning about this um, Fresh RX and this idea of giving people free, nutrient-dense food saving money on health care, and improving overall lives. I mean, what a wonderful win-win-win. And um, um, so it was wonderful to hear more about your story. Um, and again, you can get more information about Erin Martin by going to ConsciousAgingSolutions.com. Next, we're going to talk to Teresa Wolf, whose motto is... Um, whose motto is, A healthy you equals a healthy planet. Ta-da! A healthy you, healthy planet, they're the same. You're listening to Food Freedom Radio. I'm Laura Hedlund. Welcome back to Food Freedom Radio. I'm Laura Hedlund, and joining us now is Teresa Wolf. And uh, Teresa Wolf has a has a wonderful simple model uh, a motto on her website: "A healthy you equals a healthy planet." Welcome to Food Freedom Radio, Teresa. Thank you, Laura. It's good to be here. Yeah. So, give us a little bit of your background. Well, I am from a very large family, um, and I went to school for science. When I was raised with my large family, pretty much everybody was, we were all encouraged to become something in science or um, health. And I got a degree in food science and nutrition because I'm passionate about food and personal health. Concurrently with that, I became interested in wild foods, and eventually wild foods as medicines. My second child was a home birth with a midwife who used uh, plant medicines. So then I became an eco-herbalist. And all along the way, I've been passionate about the environment. So I've been teaching environmental education for 30-some years. I was a park ranger um, for the National Park Service for almost 10 years. And through all that, uh, that's where the healthy you equals a healthy planet evolved because I learned that whereas most people talk about how a healthy planet makes humanity healthier, I also believe that a healthy humanity will make the planet healthier because we are not so needy personally that we have the energy to put into making the environment around us a better place. And um, I reflected on something you said um, 
uh, before we went on the air today, and uh, I was at a holiday party yesterday, and um, yeah, I, I did I did consume a lot of calories and fatty foods and all that other stuff. But I realized that, um, you know, sometimes as I'm eating these unhealthy um, foods, I'm actually shaming myself in some level. And I, I try to um, just be aware of that shame and not, you know, and celebrate and, 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 and eat with um, love and compassion, even if, it's, even if it's a cherry pie. <laughs> so do you want to talk a little bit about a little bit about um, about um, how we eat and how um, or the I, I'm not even sure how to put this into words, but maybe you can. Um, jump off that. That's okay. I can I can take that ball and run with it. Um, so there's so many things that we could unpack from what you just. The first thing I want to do is tie it into the wonderful information that Aaron gave us in the first half hour, which was tremendous. Thank you, Aaron. But it was the concept of nutrient dense foods, and that means getting the most nutrition from whatever you're eating by eating it as soon as possible while the enzymes are still vibrant and all of the nutrients that you need in your body for your body to function at peak health are available, which does decline over time, which is something that she brought out. But the other thing I want to point out is even if you have the most nutrient-dense food possible, um, if you're in a stressed place or whatever, your body is unable to absorb those nutrients. So I'm going to put that as a foundation, Laura, and then I'm going to address what you said. In that, you were at the holiday party, and there were all these goodies, but we have been inundated with information saying that there is good food to eat and not good food to eat. And I would like to propose to people that all food is beneficial. It's Some foods are more beneficial than others, and also... What you're thinking while you are eating has a huge impact on the nourishment you will get from your food regardless of its source. So that concept of when we, when we go to these, let's tie it in with the fact that she also suggested that social um, gatherings and whatever are very important. And uh, without getting too scattered, I want to introduce the concept of nu- nourishment versus nutrients. And so you want your nutrients for the body to function properly, but you're also wanting nourishment, and that's the social context. And so to be in that holiday party, holidays are meant to be a distraction from the doldrums of winter or whatever's going on. They're meant for gatherings to happen. They're meant for sweet things. They're meant to have what we don't allow ourselves to eat normally. And so the act of the allowing that self-talk of shaming, I shouldn't have this piece of cherry pie. God bless cherry pies. I love them. Um, is is counter to the gift of the presence of that cherry pie. So what I what I like to recommend to people during holidays, especially, is why are you there? You're there for the social nourishment and all the gifts that are along with it, and. If you listen to your body, your body will tell you whether or not what you're eating is okay. Um, you'll get a stomachache <laughs> if you won't eat too much. You'll get brain fog or whatever. And so if if one learns to balance, I'm here and I'm having that second cookie. In fact, I'm just about to put out a blog on holiday eating that says, you know, when you're there and you choose these foods, choose them with awareness. 
know that and just tell yourself, oh, you know what, I'm going to have the cherry pie or the extra cookie or the third slice of whatever. Um, But I don't do that all the time. That's not me. That's not who I am. That's me enjoying the moment. And your body opens up more. Um, You could also say, and I'm only going to absorb the nutrients from this that my body needs and the rest I will let go of. So I'm, I'm proposing that mindset is huge. Do you follow? Yes, I think so. I mean, there's a lot to unpack there. Um, but I want to make sure if people wanted to read your blog, um, w- what is your website? And um... uh, Teresa, it's Teresa Wolf, T-E-R-E-S as in Sam, A-W-O-L-F-E dot com. And the blog will be called uh, Joyful Holiday Eating. Joyful Holiday Eating. And I'll be publishing that later today. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Awesome. I love that. And then um, you also have a a children's book, What Makes Me Healthy, Happy, and Alive. So tell us about your children's book. Um, I published that. It was uh, a number of years ago I did a, a program for a universal Unitarian congregation called Genuinely Fed on the Inner and Outer Level, where I went deeper into this concept about nourishment versus nutrients. Because you can have all kinds of great nutrients and not be nourished by it. You can also have a low-nutrient diet and be thoroughly uh, nourished, as she found out in that study of uh, the people that had, you know, ate and drank or smoked and all these kinds of things, right? And right, and just long because so, of the good community environment. Yeah, and so there, there has been these anyway, communities, and I think we even have this in the myth. You know, it's like, oh my gosh, she was smoking until she was a hundred, and she was drinking, but she was really social. Yeah. And so this idea that our social connections are also vital to our health and well-being. Right. So I was. So that was being brought into this program, genuinely fed on an inner and outer level. And in that program, I had a children's unit. And for that, I created a book called What Makes Me Happy, Healthy, and Alive. And the book is to give children, it's a toddler level. I mean, it's very, very few words, my ideas for the child to learn. It's the first thing they learn to read. So there's very few words. The pictures are wonderful, and they tell the story. But the message is, what are the things that a child should get in their life to thrive, and that they, it's okay to expect to get these things. It's also uh, meant to give caregivers an idea of what they should be providing for these children. Yeah, because, I mean, sometimes we're so inundated with um, negative um, between shootings and crime and all these other things that seem to be the dominant stories of this is what reality is like right now. But I... For but but one of the and, and one of the greatest resistance to that dominant story is to have joy and well being and to be healthy, happy, and alive right here, right now, because this is one very precious moment. Yes, yes, and and you know, allow me to plug your show on your show. What you um, are providing is a great way to to counter that resistance and that negativity too. Right, because I mean, I do believe joy is the resistance, and yet I know I'm still participating. Because it's, I mean, we are so connected, and it's so complicated. Um, uh, but, but one of the things I think is that um, 
uh, the human animal isn't very good at um, dealing with complications. I mean, we now know there are 50,000 different phytochemicals in the soil, and our health is so complex and it's so personal. And yet, you know, we want the one shiny object, the one drug that's going to make everything easier. And I think part of the um, being more healthy um, is to um, be humble. And kind of I going, agree. yeah, yeah. So I, the yeah, other thing, <laughs> go ahead. No, you go ahead. I. Well, I was just going to say that the thing that's important about this conversation about food is that if we eat healthy foods, if we have a healthy attitude about our food, and if we we are grateful for all food. Uh, that comes in our way, we become better nourished as we become healthy. Well, let me let me come from the backside. When we don't feel well, all of the energy that we have goes within to bring our bodies back into a state of health. And when we are healthy, that energy gets released, and it always gets released in a positive way. And so you smile more. You'll pick up a piece of trash. You'll bake cookies with the kids. You'll do volunteering in the community or or something. And so that's why I have this tagline, a healthy you equals a healthy planet. We will not need those phytochemicals which pollute the environment um, as they wash through the watershed and come back into our foods and to our body if we are healthier to begin with. So the healthier we become, the healthier planet the planet becomes, if that makes sense. Now. I, I do agree with you, and I know. I mean, there, there's plastics and um, um, and so many problems there. But I mean, one of the other things I want to mention is um, you um, you said that the ultimate goal is to cause a, a paradigm shift in how we view, how we view our relationship to the earth. Um, so talk a little bit about that. This is our last minute, so okay. Um, Basically, to understand that the Earth is there to support us, but we also need to support the Earth. Uh, that comment is is um, part of my Global Healing Project 1 annual Earth Day event, which asks everybody to take one minute to think of one thing they can do one time on this one day, and then to post it on my site. Hopefully, you know, what you learn here can help somebody in Kenya or Ireland or something like that. And then we'll get that 1% shift in what we can do to make the planet a healthier space. That will then, because that 1%, you get that amount, then there's a kind of a, a general shift that just happens in mentality. A healthy you equals a healthy planet. So um, thank you so much, Teresa Wolf. Um, and you can get uh, Teresa's website by going to Teresa Wolf. That's with an E at the end of Wolf. I um, also want to thank Aaron Martin with Conscious Aging Solutions. And thank you for listening to Food Freedom Radio on AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. Deep within my soul.